Hey ho! Welcome back, everyone, to another wonderful, fantastic, stupendous, yet monumentally cram-packed with lots of information that your little lower brain can't quite contain. This is the one, the only, Classic Elder Scrolls, brought to you by the Quest Gaming Network. And you can get this show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, QuestGamingNetwork.com, or your favorite podcatching device. Today's record date is mid-dust, the 4th of Morningstar. And our show is brought to you in part by our, wonder- our wonderful Ovaltine Lords, Tweaked Audio, Audible, and Amazon.com. I am your host. And the man with the bionic hand and fellow Tamrielic Traveler, Eve Arwin. Hello, folks. Thanks for tuning in. And I am joined by the one... The only recently tuned up the Eye of Harmony with a sonic screwdriver due to that last dragon break, Tamrielic Historian, Mike. Hello, everybody. And here you go. Ready? How's that Eye of Harmony doing? It's much better now. It's all been tuned. It's, it's good. The fourth Dr. Sonic screwdriver took care of it. <laughs> wow, that's, that is definitely timey-wimey. Did, um... Yeah. Okay. So anyway, um, so it's great to it's great to have you in here, and um, we've got um, we've got uh, part two of Dragon Breaks coming up for you in just a little bit. Uh, but of course, we we would uh, be remiss if we did not introduce the man who could actually tell you where he was when the dragon broke. Mark the Sonarist. It's just where I was, and more where I will be, because it's going to be like next Tuesday. At least that's what I told myself last week. Look, dragon breaks are weird. Yeah, but man, I admire your planning. It can't be next Tuesday. Next Tuesday we record D&D. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We can't can't do two things at the same time. Well, just remind your future self to tell your past self that you can't do it today. What do you think broke the dragon? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) This is breaking my mind, though. <laughs> this is um, why Tiamat has five heads. Mark, so that we do not break our podcast along with the dragon in our minds, why don't you tell everyone uh where they can find us and follow us? Well, they can watch us live here on uh twitch.tv slash quest gaming network. Um we, they can also email us at Elder Scrolls off the record at gmail.com. And if they're looking to find us on the web and there they can find all our other great podcasts and videos, uh, they can find us at questgamingnetwork.com. And if they use social media, uh, they can always follow us on Twitter at Elder Scrolls OTR. Uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash questgamingnetwork. And we're also on Google at Google dot com slash plus sign Quest Gaming Network. Oh yeah, baby. Um, let's let's go, let's go a little forward. Let's let's continue with with our our good friend Mark. With that, uh, Mark, again, you know, tell us what we're doing. What's going on today? Well, today we are playing a The Elder Scrolls Two Daggerfall. Oh, yeah, <laughs> my fa- one of my favorite games in the series. Yeah, mine too, actually. Uh, yeah. Uh, in the history of, we have a coffee break. Dragons take them, too. Uh, <laughs> That's so stupid. <laughs> it's, it's, only, 
almost as stupid as the that's a nice bowler on the announcement tweet. I know! That's why I love it! It's amazing! You better watch out because if this dragon takes a coffee break and it's anything like Avarwin's coffee breaks, we'll be here in another two hours, ready uh, to start the show again. Oh goodness. This is this is the truth. <laughs> One day he's like, I'm gonna go get a cup of coffee. Okay, you're sitting there playing, playing, playing. You know, didn't realize that he never came back. It was like two hours later. Like, where'd you go to Columbia to get the coffee? <laughs> this is the good stuff. Is I, this is not the first I've heard of this. Uh, I was I was hanging out. We got, uh, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. But go, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. Well, uh, in the Snarst archives, we're going to talk about lost elements, changes in magic, and the world of the Elder Scrolls. Plus, of course, we have our fast question of the week: the crafting table. More ta- uh, Tamri, <laughs> sorry, more Tamrielic holidays that occurred this week. Uh, our gameplay challenge and some some emails. Oh yeah, uh, now now we would like you to uh, huddle around your podcast guys for the one and only, the prognosticator of prognosticators, that that fuzzy little tea leaf reading Khajiit. Jazzledar and the Two Moons horoscope. This one is now the great and powerful Jazzledar, your most magnanimous of seers. This one spent the holiday in the far frigid north of Skyrim, experiencing all the traditions of the New Life Festival. Now it is time to look forward to this new year. I have been told that should this one so desire a house has become available and you, dear listener, may soon be able to come and visit the most magnanimous one in person. So what do the stars hold for us as the new year begins? Alkash, the great dragon, will traverse through the 11th house of the apprentice. This signifies a time of personal development and growth for all of Temriel. The wars of Cyrodiil have taken so much. It is now a time to rebuild. Additionally, like Alkash, it is a time of great travel. Many of you will go on voyages to see loved ones, to many new places, and to meet friends in distant lands. So, good listener, until we meet next, look to the stars, and may warm sands be in your future. Ah, thank you so much, Jazzledar. Yes. Very good. Uh, Mike, now that we got you back after your, your good buddy Jazzledar pushed you off the podcast for a minute, um, we uh, we had some holidays we last had a whole time. bunch of holidays since yeah. we last met. I know. Yeah. So uh, for those that tuned into the last podcast, that was Saturnalia, and Avarwin did a Saturnalia Eve. So on evening star the 25th, the New Life Festival comes in a few days to Wayrest with Saturnalia. Traditionally, it has been held on the 25th of evening star, originally a holiday for a long-forgotten god of debauchery. It has become a time of gift-giving, parties, and parading, Visitors are encouraged to participate. The Old Life Festival, Evening Star the 30th or 31st, depending on the calendar. On the last day of the year, the Empire celebrates the holiday called Old Life. Many of the temples uh, reflect on their past. Some go for more than this, for it is rumored that priests will as the last act of the year, perform resurrections on beloved friends and family members for free of the usual charge. Worshippers know better than to expect this philanthropy, but they arrive in a macabre procession with the recently deceased nonetheless. 
When ale flows free in the taverns in all of the cities of Tamriel. You, you know, that's interesting because I think that's one of the very, very few times where the potential for resurrection is ever brought, you know, from priestly magic is ever brought up in the series. Really? I mean, aside from like necromancy? Yeah, I'm, but like a, a proper true D&D bringing the person back to life. It's not something that really seems to happen in the Elder Scrolls. Yeah. Dead seems to be dead. Yeah, I, I, even if they do come back to life, they're usually just a husk uh, you know, or a zombie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so it, it's point, an interesting Mark. little thing. I, I hadn't yeah. thought of that of that before. Definitely. So what else we got so, there, Mike? Is that it? Morning Star the First, the New Life Festival. Ah, Today, yes. the people of Tamriel have are having the New Life Festival in celebration of the New Year. The New Life tradition of free ale in all of the taverns in all of the cities continues. The people of Tamriel certainly know how to hold a celebration. In the city of Daggerfall, this is also the summoning day for Clavicus Vile. And then Morningstar the second, Scour Day. Scour Day is a celebration held in most High Rock villages on the day after New Life. It was once a day, once the day one cleans up after New Life, but it has changed into a party of its own. So we've had three straight days of nothing but parties in Tamriel. Oh yeah, baby. Oh yeah. Now, I know Elder Scrolls Online came out with their new life festival, and that began, you know, in the middle of the middle of December. But the truth is, is actually the new life festival does not begin until until the beginning of January. Um, now, if you if you read one of the books that was there uh, in in um, um, Kynes, uh, what was it? Kynesgrove. Tent there at Kynesgrove. Yeah, yeah. Brett's tent was in Kynesgrove. Now there was a book there. I think it was called "A Tale of Two Festivals." I think that was the name of it. It actually explains. So, yeah. yeah, it explains to you that um, there is something called the Old Life Festival, and then the New Life Festival comes right on that on its on its heels. Um, so it's it is actually two different uh, festivals. Uh, over to you, Mark, on some information <laughs> on that one too. Well, I, I'm honestly waiting for the Unlife Festival. The Unlife. <laughs> <laughs> is that Moloch Ball's summoning day? <laughs> That's when Manamarco is actually the emperor. All right. <laughs> um, Maybe. All right. So bef- let's let's quickly move on because we got a lot to cover in the show. Um, but we've got uh, we've got a few few quick things we'd like to mention, and um, I want I want to lead off with with this. It's not really Elder Scrolls related, but it also kind of is at the same time. Uh, I uh, I announced this on Twitter about two weeks ago, but uh, this is the first time we're announcing it on a show. Um, we are doing the very first annual QGN party. That is happening in New York City on October 4th. Um, we are having it in, the, in Midtown Manhattan at the Baseball Center in Midtown Manhattan. The very first annual QGN party. Now, it is it begins the day before. The day before um, uh, New York City Comic Con starts. So, if you're going to be in the New York area for Comic Con, if you come the day before and you're a listener, come over to the Baseball Center, all right, and we are going to be having our very first annual QGN party where hosts from 
all over the United States and Canada are going to be coming to uh, Manhattan, and we're going to have a a um, live podcast in front of an audience of Elder Scrolls Off the Record. We're hoping to have uh, a live podcast of some new shows that we're going to be coming out with this year that we have not yet announced yet. Um, we are also hoping to have uh, games for everyone there as well. Um, I would like maybe if uh, Mark would be uh, would like to do it. Uh, maybe we can have a and D session going. Oh God, yes! I will with everyone there. I will so run a QG D and D one shot. All right. Uh, I was Battle also of two armies. <laughs> split up into two teams. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so so D- Dungeons and Dragons, uh, DM'd by by Mark, uh, will be uh, something that we're going to be doing there as well. Um, I would also like to have uh, magic, a uh, Magic the Gathering, a small mini Magic the Gathering tournament during that day as well. And um, I am going to try and see if I can uh, get some computers and uh, put together a LAN party. Um, everything is in the planning phases right now. Um, the only thing that is cemented is the fact that we are going to be, uh, getting together for our first annual QGN party in, uh, Midtown Manhattan at the Baseball Center. And, uh, it's going to be the day before Comic-Con begins, which I believe is the fourth. And, uh, and that I'm is I'm really excited about this. Oh man. I've already, I've heard from a lot of the, uh, ESOTR guild members. I know uh, I was talking to Zethan last night. It was all about this. He was like, oh, man, this I can't wait. This is going to be amazing. And I was so happy to hear that, really. Oh, yeah. But and, I'm sorry, I interrupted. Continue. No, no, it's okay. Um, so, so look, I want to keep it brief because it is just an announcement. However, um, we're going to talk a little bit more about this. Every episode of Classic or Elder Scrolls Off the Record, uh, we are going to be bringing this up in just a fashion. Hey. Keep in mind, save the date. If you're going to be in the New York area, the QGN party is coming up. Um, we're, we're talking about a lot of different things. Um, we might do a fundraiser for the party, a um, um, like a live streaming fundraiser for the party. We might sell tickets. Uh, there are There is definitely going to be a door charge. Um, it's probably going to be around $20, which um, for New York City, a door charge of $20 is ridiculously dirt cheap. <laughs> Um, so, so again, prices, we, we don't know anything about prices yet, but we do know there will be a door charge. Um, we are looking at selling tickets. If you buy a ticket, it's, uh, we're going to try and package it with a hotel room, uh, plus the door charge in New York city. So the ticket is going to be hotel plus the door charge and going to be uh in new york city the day before comic-con as well so again um if you're thinking about coming to new york city comic-con and you're a qgn listener um we're going to have representation from pretty much everyone on the network and um you know we're we're working with people who are on the network we're gonna we're gonna try and get them up here um we're gonna do everything we possibly can it might be a little expensive to get everyone up here so we might be doing a fundraiser or two uh to to make that happen um, so, so there it is, folks. The the very first QGN party. Uh, it is official. It is coming. It's coming in October, the day before uh, New York City Comic Con. I believe that is October the fourth, uh, Midtown Manhattan. So we'll hopefully we get to see you all there. Um, all right. That being said, we do have. <laughs> 
Uh, other other things to quickly mention too, right? Yes. Okay. Over the over the Christmas holiday, Rich Lambert over at Zoss sent out a tweet with a sneak peek into the upcoming update thirteen. It included a number of potential changes. Along these, along with Homestead, the housing expansion are going to be up on the PTS this week. Make sure to check out ESOTR next week, where the gang gives our impressions on update 13 PTS. Also, the people behind the widely popular Skyrim script extender have released an update video. They are hard at work on it and are tentatively looking for mid-March 2017 for a beta release. Yeah, I... I forgot to add in, but yes, this is for the 64-bit version of the script extender uh, for the uh, the updated Skyrim. Nice. And additionally, the crazy GM Mark over at QG D&D is launching a mini campaign series for the month of January called The Serpent City of Akath. It will take some members of our community who have never played D&D before and run them through a few sessions. So if you are interested in D&D and want to know the difference between wisdom and intelligence, make sure to tune in this month's QG D&D. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, oh no, it's uh, that was a fun fun little campaign to run. It's four sessions long, so it will be finished at the end of the month. Um but it's they're very new players uh with the exception of uh Zach, they've never really played before at all. So it, it's it's interesting to just just listen to. Oh, I, yeah. I really suggest it. It was a, it was a blast to run. Cool. Well, thanks for doing that, Mark. And yeah, no problem. Uh, did everyone have fun while playing? <laughs> y- yes, yes. You'll you'll as you listen. There's a lot of laugh laughs, um, especially as. Of course, everyone there has played role-playing games. They've all played the Elder Scrolls series a lot. Um, But there's a difference between playing a computer game where you're given a situation and here are your choices, and then D&D in which here's a situation. I I can't list all your choices because you can do whatever you want. Right, right. So as they sort of realize this, it starts to get really crazy. It's yeah, that's one of the first things that I've noticed about about people who go from playing computer games to playing D anD. d You know, I think one of the things that Liz was saying too when she first tried it was like, "How do you know you can do that? How do you know you can do that?" And like, you don't. It's just your, it's your imagination. It's not it's not based on you know what you know your action bar is. It's based on what your imagination can do, what the roles allow to happen, and what the the rules and the DM is is allowed to to allow happen too. Oh, uh, Pigeon Count in the chat is saying, "Run the Tomb of Horrors campaign for them at QG at the QGN event. That'll teach them." <laughs> there's a there's a a, a beginner um, uh, event uh, in Ravenloft. Uh, that I, I played through at a local card store. Um, and I, I thought that was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. that, that was I like Ravenloft, too. That, that was cool stuff. Anyway. Well, come, come February. Come February. That's, uh, that's where we're heading in next in QGD&D. Right. But that's for a later discussion. All right. Yeah, don't spoil everything. <laughs> uh, we've got so many great things. I mean, 2017 is here, and we're already trying to make it a great year for everyone. Um, so, so more, more to come. Believe me, we've got some, 
we've got some stuff to announce. We've, we've got some good stuff to announce. Uh, got, we got our, we got some stuff up our sleeves. I think you might enjoy. Anyway, um, gameplay, folks. Mike, we haven't heard from you too much. What, what, what have you been doing in Tamriel this since we last spoke? So, uh, I've been playing some ESO. Uh, just you know, doing crafting writs daily. Uh, you know, yesterday, uh, a group of us ran around and killed all the kinds of world bosses. Uh, but you know, that's ESO. Sure. And uh, this is classic. So yeah. what I've been doing in the classic games is I've been playing Skyrim the Special Edition. And uh, for those that listened to our last episode of ESOTR, you know that uh, my character got married to Lydia. She now carries my burdens in more than one way. <laughs> uh, I got the house uh, Honeyside over in Riften. Dealt with the skooma addiction problem. And uh, then decided, okay, what else am I going to do? You know, so, Okay. Maybe it's time that I go up and see the mages up in the mages' college because, you know, nobody's selling any new magic and I need some new magic. So I hiked my butt up to the snowy north and joined the mages' college. Ah. Uh, you know, did the Sarthal tomb and, uh, you know, the, um, the, the arrogant high elf wants to talk to me, but I have managed to slip out of the college and off into the wilderness again without having to deal with his, you know arrogance and you know wanting the eye so too bad for him <laughs> you, you mean if... him being an altmer yeah well yeah um so from there i ended up uh over in solitude and uh you know so i walked across the map to solitude because uh, i had uh, a thieves guild uh project that i had to work on over there by talking to galamai and uh i had to actually reload the entrance into solitude because for some reason, Lydia just took upon herself that no way is a fellow Nord going to get killed at the block. And she managed to butcher half the town. Oh. <laughs> what? Wow. So there's that scene where you walk, when you first walk into solitude and yeah. you know, he's getting, he's, you know, he's being tried as a traitor mm -hmm. for having let uh, Ulfric leave solitude. Right. And I must have gotten too close to the stage because all of a sudden somebody pulled a sword. And then there's Lydia charging through the crowd, killing people. I'm like, oh, God, what did I do? <laughs> Never should have come here. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to put it. Yeah. So I had to reload because, you know, you can't leave half a solitude dead and a huge bounty on your head. Uh, especially since this is the first time being there. I have a lot of quests to do. Uh, yep. uh so managed to get through without her killing the town the second time. Well, that's good. And then uh, uh, did the Golemite quest, followed him through, you know, uh, snuck through the um, the warehouse, snuck into the cave, killed all of the bandits in the cave, told them, no, don't worry, you're not going to die. Um, got the information I needed. And then I'm like, okay, now what do I do? I'm here in solitude. I've got Meridia's beacon. So I went and did the Meridia quest. And I sent out a text to a Varwin or a tweet to a Varwin because I not only have Dawnbreaker, Ooh. but Lydia also has Dawnbreaker. Oh. So, yes. What I did is when you first enter that room, if you sneak down the stairs and you take aim, and instead of shooting any of the mobs, shoot Dawnbreaker with an arrow, it causes Dawnbreaker to be knocked out of the pedestal. Then you kill all the mobs. Then when you go back in and you hear the voice of pick up my sword, 
it has reestablished Dawnbreaker in the pedestal. So you actually pick up the one that's on the floor, give it to your uh, your uh, uh, follower, and then pick up the one that's in the pedestal to initiate the go up to the clouds to talk to Meridia. So I have two Dawnbreakers now. Wow. There's a bug if I've ever heard one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's and something else. Dual-wielding Merso- uh, Meridia. Yeah. Dual Dawnbreakers. That's awesome. Nice. That's really cool, man. So what else you been doing? Anything else? Uh, that's been it. So, you know, that's quite a bit there. <laughs> I, I would I would say so. That's that is that is a that is a quite a bit. Yeah, it's the Christmas holiday and my yeah. mother in law's has DSL, so we didn't have really good dial up, so I was able to log into ESO, you know, do my crafting writs, you know, and then play Skyrim for a lot. Yeah. That's but vacation's of- over. That's kind of yeah. Well, that's kind of what I've been up to as well. Um, even though I've been playing a lot of a lot of Elder Scrolls Online on on the PlayStation Four, uh, which was the only way I was able to play with with a broken hand. Just kind of you know, I can't, I couldn't hold a mouse, but I was able to like at least on my on my right hand grip um, with my thumb and my my two fingers, able to grip the right side of the controller a bit. So that's how I was playing, and um, I was playing a lot of uh, Elder Scrolls Online. Um, but then, you know, I started playing uh, Skyrim Special Edition as well. And let me tell you, Skyrim Special Edition and Elder Scrolls Online coming to the PlayStation 4, really... <laughs> I, I mean, if you're going to break a hand and you're a huge Elder Scrolls fan, like, this was the year to do it. <laughs> yes. really, I mean, uh, very timely. <laughs> so I was very grateful that, that those uh, those games were, were available to me. And um, I was I was playing them. Now here's the thing, my my father, right? He uh, he and my mom came over quite a bit during during the holiday, and because uh, I was pretty much confined to my house with my my injury, and um, they got to watching me play Skyrim, and my father loves it. He never actually sat down and watched me play Skyrim before, mainly because you know I I played it on my computer, and. It was upstairs, away from the main room of their house when I was living with them. But, um, oh, uh, okay. We're, I walked into a temple and there's just uh, mostly naked women everywhere. All right, let's. let's oh, is it a Bella <laughs> temple? I, I don't know. I guess. <laughs> Who knows what's going on in these games? <laughs> hey, this is a time when uh, Bethesda was right there next to the porn tent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so my my father. Anyway, long story short, my father is actually watching me play uh, Skyrim, and he he loves it. He's egging me on the whole time. He loved the horse that I was riding. He loved me riding around, showing him the scenery. He loved all the townspeople, and, and you know, he used to like watching me play. Um, was it uh, Ocarina of Time? So he kept thinking like you know this is the same thing as ocarina of time so it's like oh pick up the chickens throw the chickens around like you do used to do with zelda like dad you can't pick up the chickens in this game (laughs) (laughs) and besides these you don't touch these chickens the town's fucking crazy about their chickens i was saying that yesterday when we were doing that one world boss and goat was going crazy because there was dead chickens and goats on the the sacrifice table (laughs) and he was wondering why the town folk weren't there killing all of these creatures. Right. So, 
So I, and I was t- so my you know he's watching me play. He's like, wait a minute, you can kill the wolves, but you can't kill the chickens. Wait a minute, you can kill the elk, but you can't kill the chickens. Wait, <laughs> wait a minute, you can kill the saber tooth cats, but you can't kill the chickens. <laughs> so that was uh, that was that was a lot of uh, the f- the funny stuff that my father was saying. Um, but it was it was great for me to you know to, to actually you know share with him and and you know. My, my uh, my mother, you know, two people who I I just love and adore. Um, a game that I love and adore as well. It was it was really really nice for me to be able to do that. And yeah, that sounds uh, awesome. Ah, uh, it was great. And, you know, I started a new character for them so they'd get the whole the whole uh, thing. Uh, they, they wouldn't they weren't left out of anything, and they loved it. They they just loved the whole thing. It was it was really cool. So, um. So yeah, that's that's kind of like what I've been what I've been up to. Um, I, I could talk a lot more about you know Elder Scrolls Online stuff. I mean, on PlayStation Four, I started a whole bunch of new characters. Um, you know, on there, I'm tr- I was trying out a wonky battle mage build that you know I don't think I'm really going to continue. I got um, uh, Marlowe up to uh, who's who's a, a character on on my PC version. I got him up to um, level fifty last night. Wait, there was a special oh, event. Nice. Yeah. Wasn't there also? There was the New Life Festival. No. Oh. For you, oh. especially. Oh no! Oh, yeah, I was actually getting to that. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I got I got Marlowe up to up to level fifty last night, which was which was great. But the special event, I got Jenny onto the uh, Elder Scrolls Online PlayStation Four version, and um, I was finally able to use that scroll of Mara that I've been holding on to in my in my mailbox for for almost three years now. And uh, now Jenny and I are are properly married in in Tamriel. Awesome! <laughs> yeah. Congratulations! Thanks, thanks. I, I was. Will she carry your burdens? <sighs> she carries my loads, so to speak. <laughs> so so that's that's me. Um, and and uh, what's been going on with me in Tamriel? Uh, Mike, uh, Mark. We're gonna have one of those evenings, uh, Mark. <laughs> what about you? What have you been doing? Uh, to, to be honest, uh, not a huge amount. Um, let's see. We uh, we had our um, uh, last time we were on daggers. I believe was the was for Christmas, and for our Christmas thing, everyone basically came dressed up, and I was the the at the last one. I realized, oh, we're, we're probably going to need to dress up as something. Uh, let's see what I got. And they decided to put on the Dark Brotherhood robes, the Colobian uh, hood, since it had a little fur around the trim, and put on a big bushy beard, and then went and dyed the the robe and the hood red. So I ended up going as like uh, young young Santa or young Father Christmas. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and then while we were waiting around uh, before we went out to do quests, I started. Um, Killing people in the in the tavern, so the, you're I, an I, evil Santa. Well, they, they were very naughty. <laughs> <laughs> That's my story. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> okay. But yeah. Um, other than that, I, I unfortunately have not had a huge amount of of time to uh, to try it out. My my wife also gave me um, Dishonored two for Christmas. So I've been, nice. you know, spending a lot of time giving that a shot and really enjoying it. 
Dishonored 2 is good. You like it? Oh, yeah, very much. I, I've been looking forward to, uh, to, to finally getting into it. And uh, yeah, no, I'm not disappointed in the slightest. Great. If you like the first game, this, this game's just as good. Okay. All right. Excellent. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, well, we've got a lot to talk about, and um, I'm sort of I'm sort of eager to to jump into it. But first, um, we'd like to just remind you folks that we are sponsored by TweakedAudio.com, which uh, they create some pretty awesome headphones. Uh, if you've never heard of them, uh, you probably have never heard of QGN Show because we've been <laughs> uh, advertising these guys for for years now, and and with good reason. Um, TweakedAudio.com's earbuds are uh fantastic especially for for the price what you're going to get is when you go to when you head over to tweakedaudio.com is uh you're going to get quality earbuds that will uh i mean their their sound is very similar to like um kind of like a bose quality of of headphones um really great sound output but more than that is their durability high quality and extremely durable um i've been using the same pair here for three years and have not replaced them. I haven't had a need to replace these. Um, I use them during podcasting, and I also use these uh, while working out. And uh, I do, you know, I do a lot of jogging when I do work out. And they're um, they're great. They hold up. They've got a nice nylon cord, so it, it, they don't really like tangle up very much. And uh, a gold plated uh, plug, so it really pushes that that quality um, right into right into the um, right into the earbuds. And uh, there's a lot of sound clarity as well, uh, some noise cancellation in there too. So your music is your own. You know, you're sitting on I don't know the train going to work or um, you know doing whatever. You don't have to worry about what's going on around you. It's just you and your music, or you and your audiobook, or you and your podcast, and that's it. It's a very great, um, uh, really awesome way of of they got canceling out the noise uh, going on in the background. Uh, look, you're not going to pay a, tr- a tremendous, tremendous amount for these either. Uh, there's a lot of savings here with tweakedaudio.com. Uh, look, you're going you're gonna to do maybe like a $25, $20, price point on, on most of these headphones. Not too much more than that. And you're getting, you're, you're getting a fantastic quality pair of earbuds that are going to really last you a long time. Stop buying, you know, uh, a $10 thing of skull candy headphones every three months and they fall apart. Go to tweakedaudio.com. Spend 25 bucks. You're going to get them shipped to you for free because they've got worldwide free shipping. They come very quickly in the mail. And with our code off the record, you're going to save 30% off even more. So that $25 price point drops. And the more you buy, the more you save because it comes off your total in the, um, in the cart afterward. Free shipping, 30% off with our code off the record. Off the record's our code saves you 30% off. And uh, you're gonna be you're gonna hold on to these suckers for a good long time, and they're they're really really great. So uh, thanks so thanks to TweakedAudio.com for sponsoring us, and um, um, off to the history of because we ran so late, never had this happen before in in uh, in, in QGN where we got so into a conversation we almost ran out of time on the show and had to actually cut the conversation off. So let's let's not have that happen again, um, Mike. Start us off, okay, with the history of, all right, let's talk more about them Dragon Breaks. Okay, so, part two. So we're going to start with some online books, so some of the newer books. So, uh, Vindication for the Dragon Break by 
Fervindus Tharn, Archprelate of the Morakati Selective. It is the first of the exulsory mandates that the Supreme Spirit Akatosh is of unitary essence, as, as is inconclusively proven by the monolitharity of time, and clearly the arc of time provides us with the mortal theater for the act of sacred expungement. Thus, it is our purpose upon Mundus to reverse the error of the Sanctimus Primus and restore Ak-at-Ash Ak to humanic purity. To say otherwise is vain and empty persiflage. Therefore, let the staff of towers be prepared for the ritual that will cleanse the protein substrate of the Aldmeri taint. All selectives are to initiate chants of proper life and maintain them until a state of monothought is achieved. Then each shall dance, duration forward, then full face, till the roll of time winds withershins. Prophet Most Simons guide us. Misplaced Shazar bless us. May the wills of this be enacted. So if we remember back, they talked about the dragon break and the hundred or one thousand and eight years that it lasted and the uh, separation of the um, concepts of time and the gods and why we have the different doctrines for the different uh, groups of people. So why is Akatosh and uh, Ariel considered the same type of uh, deity? And so one of the things that they're doing here is they're looking to expunge the Alt-Mary taint, as they called it, uh, through this... I guess you would call it act where they're going to chant and dance and, you know, try and bring it back to the point where they believe that uh, it will pretty much expunge the concepts of multiple fates and leaving Akatosh as the primary human um, deity. And time will thus be enslaved to humanity, I guess. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. That, that seems that seems to be something with the humans. The my god, <laughs> yeah, like a little child. Well, especially when you look at um, the the concept that they talk about when um, uh, the slave rebellion happened during the first part of the empire, uh, you know, and uh, Saint Alessia took over, and part of it was that they couldn't really get rid of the old Mary influence. Um, and, you know, they couldn't get rid of the gods that were there and replace them with just pure human gods or, you know, Nordic or the Nord gods. So they had to do something. And, uh, you know, so it, it, it's... Is it truly the fact that, you know, they're, they're trying to get rid of that concept? Or, as they believe here with uh, the Staff of Towers concept, uh, more tower lore for you, Mark, that <laughs> 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 you know uh the um you know the 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 gods themselves are fractures of during this original dragon break hmm. okay mm -hmm. so then we're going to look at it from the other side welcome to new old mary irregulars so 
Welcome, Altmeri, Basmeri, and Khajiiti warriors. Welcome to the elite force of the Altmeri Irregulars. Orcs, Dark Elves, men, most of all men, are best at war. They have drenched the mainland of Tamriel in rivers of blood. As long as their follies were confined to the murdering of one another, what that they did and around their so-called Imperial City was beneath the notice of the Altmeri of Somerset. Then came the Dragon Break, that catastrophic catastrophe that was entirely the fault of men. But the Altmer had to repair it. Now the men of the Empire have catastrophically blundered again, and all Nern is threatened. Our good queen has no choice but to form the Altmeri Dominion to conquer Cyrodiil and ensure for the good of all who dwell on Nern that men never again tamper with the forces beyond their comprehension and competence. Only the Aldmeri, the High Elves, and their noble allies, the Wood Elves and the Catmen, have the wisdom to restrain to peaceable rule and dis- to peaceably rule the disparate peoples of Tamriel. Though we are reluctant to take up this burden, events have shown that we must. Recent events prove that the Dragon Break was not a unique event. Men always follow the destructive paths of their defenders and apologists, the missing god who we shall not name. This ends here. Once again, elves shall rule Tamriel from the White Gold Tower, this time forever. The world has gone wrong, and we must put it right. March proudly beneath the eagle banner of the Aldmeri Dominion. So, mm-hmm. that was the new Aldmeri Irregulars. So they talk about, you know, the dragon break and you know, I, I think I particularly like how his the, this author's title is the Sapiarch of indoctrination. Like they're they're not even for, uh, beating around the bush. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, what dragon break are they referring to here? I, I would still think that we're they're talking about the first dragon break. Uh, you know, in the first era, uh, where the gods were separated, and the one thousand and eight years. Uh, that we talked about a little bit last year or last episode. So okay, so it's not like you know they're they're aware that that they're likely in a period of a dragon break at that moment. Yeah, they. I don't think that they realize that they're in a second dragon break. Now, is that is that actually like is that actually true or is that just theorized lore still? That's theorized lore at this point in time, as the yeah, entire but- events of ESO are a second dra- are a major dragon break. Right. Yeah, but it's it's it's. I think that it's a very strongly implied as well. Just just the way time there's there's actual time travel involved, uh, or that can be done in this break, which we've never seen that before in a game. There's uh, there, there's books everywhere. There is uh, the whole. Um, I'm not sure if they've changed it since one Tamriel, but the idea of the. Um, uh, Cadwell's silver and gold was literally that you were going back in time and experiencing a separate timeline as if you had ended up in a different um, a, a different alliance when you first came out of Cold Harbor in order to sort of get a better understanding of all the people of Tamriel. Right, but that was you know, that was through Meridia's influence. Yes, but I don't think Meridia be, uh, if Akatosh is guarding time and making sure it's working properly, uh-huh. I don't think a Daedric Prince is going to be able to break that unless he's somehow stepped away from the job. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, but then you get also when you deal with Molek Ball that he says no stories will be written of you and your deeds. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, you know, so it comes to this concept of you know, what do they do in Elder Scrolls 6 if there is stuff talked about in that came from ESO, then you know, how much of a dragon break is it, you know? Yeah. Well, they, when you look at all of these things that Mark just outlined, you know, it, it could be a huge dragon break that happened yeah. during the interregnum. And, and we also know that this period is not properly recorded in the history books. All that's really known is it's Knights of Venom and Blood. I think, that, I think that's, or Days of Venom and Blood. I think that's the terms that were used. And we know from the dragon break that occurred at the end of Daggerfall that the people who lived through the break, very few of them had any understanding of what just happened. They lost days. So it's quite possible that this dragon break in the second era lasts years. And this is why there's no, there's nothing in the books about any of what's going on. Right. It was lost. It just so many different timelines happened. So many different possibilities that it just things came out and the exact hows and whys of things happened just were lost completely. And especially since, you know, when you play through, you do realize that they tempered with um, um, the Red Diamond, which is, you know, the bond between Akatosh and, you know, the the uh, Imperium. Yeah. And, and so it's like, okay, you know, that right there is how they could definitely explain it is that you know the the blood of akatosh is you know been spilled through the red diamond and uh you know that's what causes the break so yeah exactly exactly the the whole point of man marco tricking the emperor into that uh into that ritual in eso in the very beginning was literally to to break akatosh and and make the brain or to basically get Akatosh to go away and make the plane meld possible. So, sure enough, there's. Uh, we know that Akatosh's influence was weakened by that ritual. So the fact, the idea that it, it also caused a dragon break, just it it seems to sort of follows. Y- yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's good because you know you, you tend to uh you tend to latch on to these these little these little things that you know um you find exciting uh as a fan and then and then some when someone somewhere comes across and says you know uh no that's actually not true and, and here's why and so i wanted to make sure that you know is this is this actually what we think it is and um it's good you know i, I think I think you've got some some really solid arguments against people who would who would say that it is not. Uh, it sounds it sounds pretty good, so I like I like all of that. Um, but I I digress. Um, Mike, you, you, there's so much more that you have to present. So I don't, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean to get off it's the okay. rails a bit. But, you know, this is why you know we have these discussions. And yeah. It's great. Yeah. So then we come to a non-game book, uh, Velex. Book of Hours Concerning the Dragon Break by Kirkbride. The Middle Dawn is an access for the spirits of the foretime. As such, many of the beliefs of the primitive Sigics cannot be discounted. Here in this place are proofs within proofs. Of special note is the Blue Star, which is the Alstix call Numali, that runs through 
this part of the Anubis every untime. The Sijiks hold it in much reverence, and many of their folks make pilgrimage to Valath when it appears because a mountain there catches fire as it passes. This mountain is reputed to be one of the last refugees of the Dwemer before they departed from this world. And so, to most, the Middle Dawn is little more than an undisputed and grandiose display of mystic power. Which is to say, nonsense. And few regard it as the numinous gateway that it really signifies. Many things they cannot explain. The Middle Dawn is merely another excuse to declare good omens and portent. Mm-hmm. That the hurling disc numbered 17. According to the text, Numali is a wayward child of Anu, one of the pantheon of forgotten deities known as the Star Orphans, a tribute, tribute of god and goddesses that apparently felt abandoned when the sun withdrew from the world-making. Men, like many of her siblings, Numali is both confused and delighted with the Anubis, and explores its five quarters as best she can without the help of regulation of worship, which are not needed, by which I mean always there, during breakings of the sideways wheel. One last paragraph here. The hurling disc, it is conjectured, contains a strange mingling of magic from both the solar and lunar spheres. This singularity, rarity, coupled with the rarity of its presence within the world, has kept it from gaining a strong foothold in the schools of known sorcery. The selectives claim a similar source of power in their depictions of the right-reaching, but it has not deterred those magicians which still try to fathom the meaning of the Middle Dawn and to benefits they may derive from that understanding. Perhaps it is the association of Numali with the vanishing of sequential sensations and, by extension, the teeth-filled stare of the Alinor dragon that comes thereafter. That drives seekers of arcane knowledge to pledge their scholarship to the Aetherius rather than dealing with the esoteric teachings of their murder brother Set or her many aspects, who loves the secret tower so much that she trucks with folk that first gave it legs, head, and sexual receptacles. One last note regarding the phenomenon of the Middle Dawn, it should be mentioned that at least one myth, the blue bone ring of Jig, suggests a relationship between Numak sorcery and the Void Ghost Eaters, the magic practiced by the countless trickster cults throughout the Tamriel. So, it's very heavy stuff there well that that just explains dragon breaks right there yeah <laughs> i don't know why we need to continue i mean all their questions have been answered <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean I, i'm I, i'm trying to follow and at the same time like it's just i, I can't <laughs> yeah so I, they're, she's they're talking about a, a displaced god that you know travels the stars as pretty much a comet and how the Sijiks travel to Veloth in uh, Morrowind uh, to make Pilgrim, where there's a mountain that erupts every time uh, that it passes by. And uh, so this could be the sign of a dragon break itself uh, that, you know, causes that, uh, especially if she disrupts some type of, 
you know, natural order of the planet. Uh, and it goes on there where um, they're, they're talking about how, you know, the world is a disk, the solar sphere, the lunar sphere, and how they, you know, are separated. Uh, but that there's some magicians who uh, associate with this comet that are able to um, to to take from the two different spheres, uh, the solar and the lunar, and, and find ways of manipulating uh, the deities of the sky. So as anybody who follows the Jezeldar um, tweets that I send out mm-hmm. uh, should be realizing by now that uh, each of the... Um, the deities that are worshipped in Tamriel, Akatosh, Mara, Debella, Zenithar, uh, all of them are representative of planets in the night sky. Uh, and they're shown as planets in some depictions um, that people have done of uh, the, the, the spheres. So if this uh, uh, Numali or Numalic uh, comet is passing through, there is the possibility of disrupting their influence on Nern. Okay, I understand now. All right, I, I get it. Um, I, I'm still I'm still caught with how right. uh, a tower with legs, head, and sexual receptacles comes in, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another conversation, I suppose. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> oh, Kirkbride. You know, I, I appreciate, um, you know, My- Michael Kirkbride's... Um, insistence on on putting forgotten historically forgotten folklore into into this stuff but at the same time he comes off as a complete raving lunatic yeah yeah this is this is kind of my problem with it too i i mean as i, I get it okay comets were you know seen as no, no matter what culture you were in um it was seen as a an ill omen uh, Western European countries document this very well, including um, Asian countries uh, have documented this. Uh, maybe not so well, but has has been documented. And um, Middle Eastern countries too. Uh, they they had they have some documents of them, you know, looking to to the night sky and seeing comets and and having you know, uh, I guess uh, have that create panic. In their in their communities, because you know, look, it's a comet. Therefore, something awful is about to happen. So I get that 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 Kirkbride is drawing from that and saying like this could be the uh, the portent of of a dragon break, or this could be creating um, a dragon break, much in the same way as a, a a pool table filled with planets is knocked around the table, creating mass chaos for the while that the balls are in motion. But try, trying to explain that when someone's head's in a video game, <laughs> yeah, not necessarily the best the best of times. Uh, of of of, I would love to see some of this stuff have actually been written out as like out of game books for you to read, like official books, because some of this stuff is just really, yeah, because it is so metaphysical, it makes it very difficult how to. Um, to read it in game uh yeah some of the hardest books in game all have to do with planetary motions and you know magic in game uh they're they're written at a very high level of reading with a lot of um 
concepts that you need to understand other concepts to be able to understand the book in the first place. And so, like, when I read through some of this stuff, it was like, yeah, it, it may not make a lot of sense, but when you read through it a couple times and you think about it and, you know, the concepts of how the, the world of Tamriel is set up and the universe and its gods and, it, you know, the Anubis and the uh, Mundus and Magnus having punched a hole through the Anubis and the stars being followers of him that have left the world. And, uh, you know, it just makes, you know, it's like almost like mind blowing when you start really getting into it. Now, some of the, the more recent stuff that he's written, such as Coda, where it gets kind of just cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, I'm not a big fan of. But the stuff that he wrote just after, you know, he left the company, when he was working with Morrowind, when he was working on some of the stuff, uh, the background stuff for Oblivion, you know, is really amazing. Oh, my God, Afaron, what was that? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what, what happens? I, I was glancing at the notes. Uh, I walked inside a house and I walked inside of a room and there was a person getting changed. There was a naked person there. <laughs> uh, yeah, random naked. Go Daggerfall. Oh. <laughs> Open that door again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ESO, why don't you have stuff like this in it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got to tell you, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned about the lack of of corner clubs, though, in in some of the uh, Ebonheart packed areas, uh, like you see in Morrowind. Yep, like the uh, the the derpy little dancers that are up there. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I remember when the first time we played this, and you took off all your gear, and it was like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's a really detailed uh, red guard there. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing to the imagination left to that one. (laughs) This is why they include uh, loincloths in that. That's right. Okay, one last book for you guys. Dragon Break at Red Mountain. Oh, this is... From Kirkbride. Oh, great. Uh, Dragon Break and Red Mountain and Kirkbride, so... Put together, uh, get get your heads together, folks. You're gonna you're gonna hear something about Molag Ball getting it on with one of the uh, tribunal. <laughs> Except now, Vivek the God was alive before his own birth, which had, in fact, really happened in the death of the last universe. Hard to grasp in three dimensional thought. Why? Of course it is, and so. That is why some semblance of my anguished personal recollections found its way into my own scripture. Why did I leave the Nerevarine two accounts of his death, one that I could have easily erased from the minds of my own people? Because he is Horator, Gartak Padame at Aldon Dumari, my lord and king, in this world and the last. And as Vec and Vec, I murdered him, then raised him, then taught him how to know, and so would I have had it, when he came to me at last, that he decide. I gave you this as Vivek, but I gladly, no, delightfully, admit to stealing my bridge to godhood. Let the court record, let the, the court record, I would do it again and again. Moreover, I have left instructions for others to do the same, and look more pretty than I did doing it. 
What we did was far more calculated, precise, in accordance with the laws set down in the ancient days. Unfortunately, I cannot present you with the drafts of the Magnus we worked from. I love you too much. Without the heart, the glory of the Dunmer would have never grown as radiant. I am the thief of this world, with stars, and in my charges, I put you down. So, that is the Dragon Break at Red Mountain, told by Vivek. So this brings up a lot of questions. Uh, you know, the first one there he said, uh, you know, deals with the fact that he was a god before his own birth. So if you read through the books of the tribunal, uh, one of the concepts is the tribunal served the Navarine as his counsel. Then the events uh, that led to the disappearance of the Dwemer and the formation of the Dunmer led to the three tribunal becoming gods because of the harness power of the heart of Lorcan. But throughout much of the series, Vivek believes himself to have been a god before this point in time. So is it the fact that he, you know, he became a receptacle for an already established god? Does he believe his own thing? And when you read through many of the books, you know, you get the two accounts of the Nerevarine, one being the Lord and King, and the other being this um, um, uh, this um, what do you call it? Uh, div almost divine being who would come back, the Horator, uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, continue on being the savior of the Dunmary people. So, you know, so the Dunmer themselves, the formation of the tribunal, is that entire thing a dragon break? And is that why the Dwemer have disappeared? So the Shimmer became the Dunmer, and the Dwemer disappeared all in one fell stroke, and we have the formation of the tribunal. And so is, you know, Tamriel coming out of another extended dragon break? Right. You know, at, at the mm -hmm. end of, uh, you know, the time of the tribunal. So we know that Almalexia and Sothisil are dead, but Vivek walks away and disappears to who knows where. Yeah. Well, or or he gets killed by the Navarine, which is also a possible response. Yep. Um, and, you know, like, I, I do believe that there is a major dragon break at Red Mountain. But I also think it seems to be a very, very short one. Um, and whatever happened during it, it, during it completely wiped out the Dwemer. Uh, simply because the, the activation of the Numidian Golem in Daggerfall is what causes the dragon break. It is a, an entity, it is a thing so powerful that it breaks the dragon. That was just its activation for a very short time. And it was... They activated the heart specifically to just move the golem. Or it was, and that wasn't even the heart of Lorcan. That was the heart of the Underking they were using. So in Red Mountain, they were activating the heart of Lorcan with the Numidian golem itself for whatever it was their their plan was whether it was to become a single unified god or not that's going to be 
a hell of a lot worse than what happened in Drag in uh, Daggerfall. So yep. yeah, no, I, I I completely agree. Whatever happened there just likely shattered everything. Hmm. It's it's actually interesting if when he's talking about the last universe, if whatever happened in in the Dragon Break took seemed to take centuries to those involved. Like for whatever reason, it was almost like the Dragon Break happens, and then the people who were right there, um, whatever happened within the course of the break, just took so long that all the Dwemer ended up dying off, and then when it closed up, basically they were crazy enough that Vivek was saying, "Oh yeah, that was the where we were before we came out. That was a separate universe." And I became a god there. <laughs> That's a cool concept. <laughs> yeah, the metaphysics on this stuff. I mean, you know, we know that, you know, the original tales of Nern is that it was 12 separate planets that were crushed and destroyed and coalesced back into a single planet that is Nern. And, you know, Tamriel is the meeting place of all the different cultures with really the Argonians and the uh, Khajiit being the only native species there, and that the Hist survived as one of the original species, uh, along with a uh, proto-founder of all bipedal species found on the planet. And uh, so, you know, there's all kinds of craziness in this, this game universe. And, um, you know, so yeah, I mean, if there was a dragon break, to the people that became the Dunmer, it could have seemed like, you know, instantaneous, but it could have been a whole, you know, millennia for the the, the Dwemer who were trapped in it. Right. With right. Amalexia, uh, Sothisil, and Vivek coming out the other end as gods. That's nuts. Oof, man, some mind-bending stuff, guys. <laughs> Absolutely. Um... All right, so so that's the uh, the history of now now Mike. Um, what what else do we have on this? Anything else? That is the end of the history of. So hopefully, you know, people have learned a little bit about the Dragon Break. Have given them you know something to chew on for you know these last two episodes. Uh, you know, given them some you know thought because with all of it, the people that are experiencing the Dragon Break probably aren't going to understand it. Uh, you know. The, it's going to be folded into religious text, yeah. to you know science text. It's going to you know be the foundation of the way the world works. But the average human or elf or Khajiit, it's not going to be something that they ponder and reflect upon. It's going to be something that the moth priests of the you know Elder Scrolls are going to think about. It is going to be stuff that you know the Godhead Tribunal or you know other rulers or you know mad crazy Manamarco science or uh, magicians are going to think about. As to how you can, you know, realize potential outside of reality, mm. and yeah. uh, I think these last two episodes have really shown just how beyond the scope of, you know, what we can, what we believe is, you know, reality is. Yeah, uh, it. it uh, we have a question in the chat. If we can give sort of a simplified explanation of a dragon break. Um, basically and sort of what are the signs that it's happening or it's happened really i think the only sign that it's happened is currently happening is if it's big enough that time seems wonky such as in eso other like 
other other times I don't think you can really tell it's happening because the ending effect is that you have a whole bunch of timelines that just completely collapse in on themselves and you just sort of have an outcome and a lot of confusion as to how that outcome occurred uh, as we see in uh, in the books that we mentioned last week where they actually talk about the uh, the uh, miracle of peace the warp in the west the loss of days exactly that, so uh... re- really if you're wondering sort of how it works that's the warp in the west is the best book to look at cuz that sort of gives the in-game description of the ordinary of uh, ordinary people as to what was a dragon break like yeah so if you think about it you know like if you know you're living in white run you're not going to understand the concept of you know how the um the the dragonborn defeats alduin and why alduin is reappearing now after you know millennia of you know what happened up on the top of the, the throat of the world how he got banished through time none of that you know is going to be something that you understand Right. Or even encounter. It's, you know, as a player, you're playing the Dragonborn who sees that. You know, in the game Daggerfall, you're playing the agent who is, you know, affects what outcome the uh, the Dragon Break has. Um, you know, we're seeing these through books of people like the Sijix, through somebody like Vivek. Uh, if you play through Morrowind, that part at, you know, the Dragon Break at Red Mountain is part of his trial. Um, you know, at the end of the game. So, you know, those are the kind of things where you pick up on it. But, you know, it's something that, you know, because we exist outside the game and we experience the game and we get to see the, you know, the five different games plus ESO plus Red Guard and uh, um, Battlespire, that, you know, we get to see how certain things affect things in the game. And their way of explaining it is, oh, all of the outcomes were possible because of a dragon break. Right, right, right. It's uh yeah, the uh uh perspective sort of sort of thing. You know, just like uh, you know, for for Alduin, you know, his perspective is that, you know, nothing nothing really changed. It was his his transition was instantaneous. Yeah, he was um, fighting Nords and now he's fighting Nords again. Right. Alright, um okay, so so let's let's uh let's move on to the Sonarist archives. Uh, but first, before we do that, we want to just mention to you um, our, our second sponsor of the evening, which is Audible. Uh, audibletrial.com slash questgamingnetwork. That's the uh, the link you're going to need in order to download your free audiobook right now, actually. If you go to audibletrial.com slash questgamingnetwork, we can guarantee you a free audiobook of your choosing over at uh, the Audible service, which is the service of Amazon, by the way. Uh, you can choose from hundreds of thousands of free books over at um over at Audible, and uh, for many different types of, of genres, uh, and uh, you can use those those brand new tweaked audio headphones that uh, I'm sure you've purchased already uh, with our code off the record, and now you can download a free audiobook at audibletrial.com slash questgamingnetwork. They'll give you a free token, you download whatever book you want, and you basically guaranteed yourself anywhere between five to eight hours of just free awesome entertainment on whatever subject you're interested in from I mean if you love uh, you know fantasy and science fiction there's tons of books there as well uh, from Doctor Who to um, I think even some Star Trek books Star Wars books are there um, 
Liz always likes to mention that, you know, if, uh, if you're in classes right now, it's a great place to download your textbooks and you can, you know, listen to, um, listen to some of the lessons while you play your games, uh, through, through that as well. So audible trial, A U D I B L E trial.com slash quest gaming network. Go ahead and get yourself a free audiobook right now. And uh, right now, instead of getting his free audiobook, Mark is going to sacrifice his free audiobook download at the moment to tell you what he's got in the Sonarist archives. No. Sorry. <sighs> I'm just going to use that audiobook. So you people better better appreciate this. Okay, so, you know. <laughs> I appreciate was, that. <laughs> yeah. That, that was good. <laughs> so, you know, the the, the games themselves uh, in the Elder Scrolls have, as I discussed last time, uh, there's just, there's been lore changes uh, over the course of the series. Uh, and I, I touch on this a lot with the archives. And, but, Beyond the lore changes, you know, this is we've seen other change, other changes to the game, sort of design-wise, um, and I figure I I touch a bit on on those because these are the types of things that, in the end, do have an effect on how the world is presented, and the question kind of becomes why they make changes like these. Uh, for example, when we look at Arena, at the very very beginning. Uh, your choice was basically you could play the humans, elves, or Argonians and Khajiit. And Argonians and Khajiit were just weird-looking humans. Um, the Argonians were just sort of scaly humans, and the Khajiit were just sort of... Ma they were humans with facial tattoos, basically. And that was the difference. Uh, we... As in the in Daggerfall, when that came out, uh, they changed Khajiit up so that they had tails, and the Argonians went from being scaly humans to being full-on lizard people. And then once we got to Redguard, the the Khajiit went from being humans with tails to full-on cat people. And then Morrowind decided, okay, uh, here's a whole bunch of variations of the Khajiit that they look like. Whereas Redguard decided, uh, declared that the Argonians had many different shapes, like the Khajiit did, but then never, no one has done anything with those shapes whatsoever. And looking at it, I can sort of see where they were coming from. When they started with Arena, the choices were kind of like they, they were using a paper doll system, and it was just easiest to make everything look pretty much the same. And then when it came time to start changing things, it was like, let's make, you know what, the scaly ones already look weird. Let's 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 make them full on lizard people and we'll we'll emphasize the Khajiit not being human and we'll emphasize the whole they are supposedly descended from cats. And then when, of course, they started to really revamp the setting itself with Red Guard, they decided, you know what, rather than just giving them tails, let's let's just make them full on cat people. Let's just go the whole mile, make it, or you know, the the whole mile. Let's let's make them as as interesting and strange as we can, and really flesh out the world. Because every world has humans and elves. Let's let's make these two create these two races are very different. Let's make them really something we can use. 
And but then they also made another strange decision, I, I find. Despite the fact that they already had three human races, they then added a fourth with the Imperials. Because Marina and Daggerfall, Imperial Province had no indigenous peoples. It, it was literally described as just being... Uh, it's as though all nine outer provinces had just basically filled it with their own people and they all just lived and worked there together. There was no separate race the way that there is with Nords and Bretons and, and Red Guards. And then they did, but then for some reason they decided, oh, well, let's let's create the Imperials. Let's create another human race. Um, and I'm so not... that was a dragon break that happened there, you think? Uh, well, I, I honestly <laughs> believe every single one happens Every single game is a dragon break, with the exception, sole exception of Red Guard. Um, but yeah, it, it's it was one of those strange little. It seems when they got to Red Guard, it was like, okay, you know what? We have this huge Morrowind game planned out. Let's really look at what works, and let's let's really define what this setting is right now, and and come up with something to make it really unique and stand out. And just as things went, they decided, you know what? Every other province has something. Let's let's actually fill in the Imperial province with its own people. And we can take advantage of that and make them, um, you know what? Let's make them Romans. Let's make them, you know, let's, let's make the Empire Romans. Yeah, because before that point in time, weren't they just considered the Ciro Nords? Yeah, Nords they, they that were, had lived in Cyrodiil? Before, no, before, right? There was no... Cyrodiilic was a language, and that was it. There was no Cyro Nords or anything uh, before Redguard came out. It there was none of that was there. Yeah, they hadn't come up um, with the idea of the uh, the Alessian. Um, yeah, there was no uh, like uh, I think maybe the term Alessian came in, but there was nothing behind it. Uh, up before, for example, uh, it, as far as Daggerfall was concerned. The first empire was Skyrim taking over parts of um, parts of, of High Rock, a certain amount of what would be the northern portions of the Imperial Province, and the entirety of Morrowind. And of course, needless to say, this is something that has been completely abandoned. Uh, you know, this was an official timeline, though that. The first empire was uh, Skyrim, was from Skyrim. And on top of that, that was something that they kept all the way into into Redguard. That didn't change until we got into, well, I think we got into Morrowind because they didn't really address it. And I think it wasn't completely done away with until the Alessian Order really got, and the, the Alessian Rebellion got fleshed out in Oblivion. Yeah, because wasn't uh, um, Dawnstar at one time considered the the capital of the yeah. Empire? Yeah, I believe so. Um, of Skyrim. Yeah. Well, if, you know what? Um, I think that was it was originally the capital of Skyrim. I'll, I'll admit, I'm not. I'm a little fuzzy on that part. I I but, remember. Yeah, I don't remember hearing it was the capital of the Empire, but I do remember hearing that. It was the the capital of of Skyrim. Um, Windhelm was the the first place that the Nords had settled into. 
Yeah. Um, but then you know, Dawnstar had had really been the had become the, the capital there. That, I, I think that's... Dawnstar was their landing point, and then they they moved further south and were settled in in Windhelm. No, it's yeah, it's the, kind the, the other way around. They they their landing point was Windhelm. And they moved up to Dawnstar. Man, yeah. it's too hot down here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's so interesting because it's like now, you know, as the games have progressed, we get the fleshing out of the Eastern Kingdom and the Western Kingdom of Skyrim on top of everything. Yeah. That exactly. uh, right now we're seeing, if you play ESO, you get to see the Eastern Kingdom of Skyrim ruled through Windhelm. And there's mention of the Western Kingdom, which is ruled out of solitude. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is the thing. Um, There's a lot of almost what I consider to be placeholder lore that they don't ever really... It's there, but it sort of gets sacrificed when they move in and actually do a game in that area. Uh, For example, um, I believe that when we eventually get to Valenwood, we will find out more about the uh, Cameron Usurper um or yeah Cameron Usur- or, or usurper or who was around just before the end of Daggerfall during the period of the Imperial Interregnum um and he apparently he put together a massive army and attacked uh, and was able to get all the or basically started going straight north and got all the way to High Rock from Valenwood I believe like we've there was a lot about him in or discussing about the event of his attacking and where it was stopped in, in High Rock in, in the Daggerfall game. I believe that once we actually then get into Valenwood, we will see a lot more revisiting of that. And I think that what what we have now will get such a rewrite, you won't really recognize it anymore. Yep. And you know what? I'm fine with that because I would rather them change lore that really isn't dealt with much or has no it if it changes it doesn't really affect anything uh and do something really cool with it then feel that they have to shoehorn something shoehorn their things into a into something else because of one or two lines written 20 years ago yeah, you know they're they're, yeah they're they're pretty good at at finding ways around their you know, around stuff like that you know to to yeah. kind of give themselves some some freedom. Oh, exactly. I mean, like if if you were given the choice of, do you want the first empire? Uh, could you imagine if you were given the choice of the first empire was just um, Skyrim ruling pieces of the northern uh, continent, or it can be this entire story involving the slave rebellion and humans coming into their own and it and like all of that story that then was put forward in oblivion right really the oblivion story with the alessians is far more potent and and uh well thought out than anything with the skyrim empire and the fact is that the skyrim empire would then messes around completely with the timeline for morrowind so suddenly everything that you have with the Battle of Red Mountain and the the Dunmer versus or the Chime, uh, the Chimer versus uh, the Dwemer all of that suddenly needs to be squeezed into the fact that during that period uh, 
there were no Chimer, and the uh, the Dun and the Dunmore were ruled by um, by the Nords for approximately another hundred years beyond what would have been the creation of the Tribunal. Mm. So you can see where maybe you know they they leave a little bit behind, but then they create something much better in its wake. Absolutely. Um, yeah. All right. What what else you got left uh, with us? Uh... Uh, the only other thing I really wanted to bring up was sort of magic. Like magic in Sky in the Elder Scrolls, of course, would it's kind of an important thing. It's how the magic system works. If you are playing a mage, you know there there are rules. Uh, clearly, the people of uh, Tamriel have a certain understanding and an almost science, quote unquote, about how they they describe their spells in the elders in uh, Tamriel but at the same time they they messed around with what schools exist for example in Daggerfall when school the schools of magic actually became a real thing they had a school called thaumaturgy and that was uh, spells that do not change the appearance or structure of a force or object but can manipulate uh, laws temporarily, such as in the events of spells like levitate and detection. And at the same time, mysticism was a catch-all school. Well, going forward, Morrowind on, we saw they completely dropped thaumaturgy because and sort of fused it into mysticism instead. And then, as far as the people of Tamriel are concerned, well, thaumaturgy never comes up. No one ever discusses it. Right. We move on to Skyrim. Well, mysticism has now been dropped. You, there's no mysticism anymore. It's not something that uh, is a school that you deal with at all. And like, I, I don't know if they mean that people just stopped practicing mysticism in Tamriel after the after, at the beginning of the fourth era because the spells that were involved did not really seem to be. Uh, really folded into, well, no, some of them got folded into alteration, I guess. Well, I think it's it, it's yeah. supposed to be that you know Bethesda decided to drop the ma- the uh, the the skill line, and as a result, the the people of Tamriel stopped practicing it, um, and have you know it's been two hundred years. This is why you know from one game to the next there could be. You know, lots of time in between there because they, when they change something, they, you know, one of the big things that they rely on lore wise is, you know, well, how come the people didn't notice? Well, because it's been a very long time. They, you know, education is not what it is right now <laughs> in uh, mm-hmm. in the real world. It's, you know, even though there's tons of books in, the, in throughout the world, nobody seems to know how to read them. It's because the <laughs> important true. ones on those topics were written by Kirkbride, and they're so impenetrable. <laughs> they just burn the books instead. <laughs> they're just so impenetrable, you can't figure out what they're talking about. So, actually, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's like reading the book Luminous Bridges. <laughs> yes. Oh, or trying to read, uh, uh, oh, the Sermons of Vivek is the... Uh, the 30 page volume thing i think oh god it's ridiculously huge oh. and if, if you really want to have you know your mind warped read the, the sermons of vivek yeah it and the problem is that it starts off basically saying 
everything you read from here on in is just gobbledygook that isn't that isn't remotely true because he tells his origin story as this big epic thing but we know it's bupkis because we know he's not a god <laughs> or not a he wasn't born divine right so any anyway yeah um I get the last thing though of course is the biggest change and I think the the one that people regret the most is the loss of flight. Da Daggerfall you could go and you could fly which was great because if you got locked out of town at night it made it easier to get into town. <laughs> though though to be now fair Now you tell me. <laughs> I've been humping to, walls for a year, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be fair, um uh, when I played, I played a uh, Khajiit thief, basically, uh, or a rogue class. And I would, if I got locked out of clown uh, out of town, I would just hump my way up the wall, and I had really high acrobatics. <laughs> so I would then jump from the top of the wall. I would walk around the wall until I found a tall building, and then I would jump from the wall onto the roof of the building, and then climb down from there, or hop down to a lower roof and make my way in that way. And mm -hmm. just, you know, since I was playing a thiefy type character, it was just a really cool little, oh yeah, I'm so good, I'm gonna, you know, I jump over the bit between rooftops and everything. So, and then of course it, the next roof is just a little too far and you, you go hit the ground. Oh, Aww. A sad end. So, I, I, I think I remember reading somewhere, and I, I'm, this was a a joke. I don't know if it's from Kirkbride or not, but the the justification for flight no longer existing is that Amalexia had banned it. Levitation, or something. yeah. Yeah, levitation, because Amalexia got sick of it and just banned it outright. Oh, uh, that sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> which is funny because Morrowind, fly, flying was basically required in several parts. Yes. If you didn't have levitation, you couldn't complete the game. Right. Um, especially, oh, I think it was, what, joining the uh, the Mages Guild? You had to have levitation, I think. Yeah, there's something uh, or, or for the getting... Mages Guild. Yeah. Not... There was also a major thing. Like, there's a major part of the, the main quest where you have to get up to the asteroid prison. Mm -hmm. And, or the meteorite pri meteor pri prison. And you needed to be able to fly to get there. All right. Um, what else? Anything else? Uh, that is pretty much it. All right. Uh, so, so folks, our last um, our last call out for the evening to uh, our uh, our corporate over overlords here is uh, Amazon.com. And uh, here's a quick one, guys. If you if you um, if you're looking to buy something on Amazon.com, we would we would at least like to ask you to maybe think about QuestGamingNetwork.com first. Uh, if you head over there and click on our Amazon link uh, all the way down at the bottom of the homepage, um, what you're going to end up doing is whatever you buy on Amazon, uh, Quest Gaming Network is going to get a, um, I guess, a referral for that. And at no extra cost to you, um, Amazon is going to compensate us for referring you over to Amazon. It's basically how this works. Uh, Advertising. So yeah, that's that's really what it is. Um, so so they don't they don't transfer that cost over to you at all. It's it's there. It's in their advertising budget, and uh, they'll they'll send that um, that financial uh, uh, advertising fee over to Quest Gaming Network. 
and uh, it certainly helps uh, certainly helps out around here just a, just a little bit. So if you're going to shop for Amazon, please think. If, is it Amazon? Then it's QGN. Go to questgamingnetwork.com and click on our Amazon link, and uh, you'll you'll uh, you'll never know the difference, but we'll be very very grateful as a result. All right, folks, um, we're moving into our fast question of the week, and and don't forget we're talking about Dragon Break. So here we go. With all the various ways major quest lines could have ended in Skyrim, do you think Bethesda will push a Dragon Break concept in the lore in Elder Scrolls VI to neatly tie up all of the possible endings that could have been in Skyrim? What do you think, Mike? No. Mark? They have to. Yeah. I don't think they will, but um, I want to. I want to hear from Mark first on this one, saying they have to, and then Mike. Why do they have to? Unlike in, um, there's really nothing that you you do in uh, uh, any, any choices you need to make or anything that you you do in Oblivion that has a huge change on what occurs in. Morrowind, again, there's not a huge amount of change. Really, the only big decision point is do you kill Vivek or not? And they sort of uh, explain that away by saying that he disappeared, so it's inconclusive. It, and the only other time you had a massive number of choices that would have very vastly different endings is Daggerfall. And that, of course, is where the concept of the Dragon Break actually comes from, because what the cho- what the result ending result of the choices you made were completely changed what happened and so their best way of approaching it was to say that everything happened uh because that way they didn't have to pick one response and they did it by basically saying since everything happened here's how it all came together and the result of it right uh as a result we look at skyrim there are three different ways the Civil War turns out. Either Imperials win, Stormcloaks win, or an uneasy truce is developed. The Emperor might be killed by... Uh, the Emperor might be killed by the Dark Brotherhood, or the Dark Brotherhood is destroyed completely. Mm-hmm. The Dragon Parthenex might be left alive, or he might be killed. Like, there are so... There are major points with just... Well, frankly, the fate of the Emperor and the Dark Brotherhood, and then also the fate of the, uh, uh, the, the outcome of the Civil War, that um, you, you can't, they can't really just say one or the other, because it sort of would seem to break their, their design rule, which frankly seems to be that we don't declare the ending, uh, the, a canon ending for the previous game. Right. We we don't declare what player choices All right. actually happen. So here's here's what I'm going to say. Um, I I don't think they're going to do this for for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, the idea of a non declared canon ending for a video game is pretty is pretty common these days. Um, I mean, just look at games like Mass Effect when when those were coming out. People were saying, "What's the canon ending?" You know, Bioware would say, "Well, we we sort of side with this, but really." Um, players can pick whatever they want. 
And then they come out with another game and Bioware picks a canon ending, yet players are completely comfortable with the idea of they have their ending and I've got mine. So I think Bethesda is going to recognize that. Um, I think instituting this idea of a, the dragon break and, and really running mainstream with it, um, is, is going to be a concept that I don't think a lot of, um, a lot of mainstream players of elder scrolls six are ever going to notice or have patience for. So, um, I think a lot, now it's a lot of mainstream, a lot of main, the, the guys who, you know, played Skyrim for, you know, uh, five hours, got through the main quest and say they beat the game. Um, those folks. So, uh, I don't necessarily think they're really going to touch it. What I think they're going to say is, you know, look, look, let's just let sleeping dogs lie. Um, let's, let's just move forward with whatever we want for Elder Scrolls six. And let's not, you know, the players these days are used to making up their own head cannon. Let them make up their own head cannon for Skyrim. We're going to do whatever we're going to do. And if the twain shall meet, then, then people will get it. That's kind of what mm -hmm. I think. Um, Mike, what about you? You said no as well. What, why, why so? So here's the thing. The, the dragons are such a, um, a popular thing that they're going to have to be explained as to why they've returned to, to Tamriel. And uh, I think that, you know, we're not going to see them as popular, I mean, populated, as we do in Skyrim. I think we're going to see a couple special bosses that they're going to be available type of thing uh, in the, the future game. The What happens between the, the uh, Emperor and the Dark Brotherhood, I think they can easily explain that because even if you kill off the Dark Brotherhood, the Emperor still has to get out of Skyrim alive. And so they could easily say that, you know, Titus Mead II died, uh, you know, during a trip to Skyrim and leave it at that. They don't have to say it was by the Dark Brotherhood. They don't have to say it was by another assassin, that he died, you know, while in the ship. Whatever the case might be, he's dead. And I think that they can say that and leave it at that. And then with the Civil War, they could easily, you know, say that, you know, the... Um, um, the Civil War brought about a, a, a time where resources were diverted to the far north and, uh, you know, caused instability in the region. And then whatever action is going to happen in the next game, and I'm still putting money that it's going to be Dominion, and we're going to travel to the south, that, you know, in the end, when whatever major event happens after Skyrim, that is going to take place that will cause either side, whichever one has won, to decide, hey, you know what, our petty feud between the Emperor and the, the Stormcloaks means nothing if we're all ruled by the Thalmor coming up out of the south. So I think they can easily explain a lot of it away as to what player choices had. You know, if they sided with Ulfric and the Stormcloaks won, well, guess what, he's going to side with the, you know, the new whatever Empire, Republic, whatever you want to call it, that is left behind that has to now fight the, the Old Mary, the was it, third or fourth Old Mary Dominion. Uh, yeah, that uh, the Emperor is going to have died in Skyrim. It doesn't really mean, matter which way he died because he will just be dead. And that we will have dragons that are, you know, returning to the continent. So I think they can easily explain all of it away without having to say, oh, there was a dragon break. Right, right. Mm -hmm. um, 
I... And that's if they put it, you know, adjacent to Skyrim's timeline. If they move it ahead 200 years in the future, nobody's going to really care. Oh, I, I definitely think they're going to be doing something like that, for sure. Well, yeah. I think it's going to be pretty adjacent, though, because when you look at most of them, most everything has, other than Skyrim, happened during one Emperor's lifetime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that that is true. Yeah, but was yeah, it, uh... the first four games, <laughs> the first four games all occur during the life of Ariel Septim the Seventh. Yeah, was it really? I thought it was just Morrowind and Oblivion. No, nope. uh, he is the emperor that you rescue in Arena, and he's the emperor who dies in Oblivion. So, uh-huh. with the exception of Redguard, every game, including Battlespire. Uh, in, up to oblivion occurs during Uriel Septim the Seventh's life. Wow, that's probably why they moved uh, Skyrim up two hundred years. Yeah, well, that and to to allow the empire, like the I think the political situation following the death of the emperor and a massive invasion from uh, from oblivion to sort of percolate and develop. Yeah. And, you know, Legends deals with a lot of that timeline, you know, during the Great mm-hmm. War and stuff. So yeah. there'll be more stuff being fleshed out with the story coming out of Legends once it's out of beta. Yeah. If it comes out of beta. <laughs> Legends come I, I out know, of beta. It's, 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 I, know it, I know it will. Pu- but public, it's just a... public beta for almost a year now. <laughs> yeah. People are going to be so mad when their decks are all wiped and they're told, "Oh, you got to start over." Oh, that's the reason oh, why I haven't God. I haven't even started uh, getting back into it yet. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's move on to the crafting table, guys. We got uh, twenty minutes left in the show. Uh, some of the folks in the chat room are asking, uh, "When's the podcast coming out?" Uh, it'll be available tonight within uh, uh, an hour. Well, probably about probably about an hour or two of after we we close up uh, the the live stream. We'll probably have that out um, now. Now, uh, now, Mike, uh, you you, um, you you selected this this particular uh, mod for the crafting table today, correct, sir? Yes, but I think for all of our QG D and D fans, I think that Mark should read it. Oh, okay. Uh, so for this this mod is for the PS4, and it's called Box Box Box. It is a port of. Uh, Adelon's Box 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 mod from the Nexus, presented with permission by Dookie Tuesday. Do you enjoy hunting down rare books in Skyrim, getting sidetracked in their own little stories, and piecing together bits of disparate arcane lore? Box 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 for the PS4 may be just what you're looking for. Adding almost 200 new books to Skyrim, imported from previous games such as Daggerfall, Morrowind, and Oblivion, as well as the semi-canonical and more, well, strange texts from both current and previous Elder Scrolls writers and lore masters at the Imperial Library. This mod aims to ensure that no matter how many, how big your personal library, you're still going to have far too many books to fit on your shelves. <laughs> All right, that's now, a deep cut. Now, now, now funny, it's... funny, or funny for the QGD and D fans. Completely uh, goofy and nonsensical to everyone else. <laughs> well, uh, you got to listen to QGD and D in order to get that silly little reference. Um. All right. Books, books, books. <laughs> exactly. Uh. Well. Well. Uh, well done. 
Well done, guys. Um, okay, we've got uh, we've got an email today that we want to we want to put out there, and this one comes from Ellis, who says, "Hi guys, I loved hearing about y'all talk about Dragon Breaks, and was really sad when the two hour mark was hit. I wanted to know more. Anyway, what do you think of the chances? What, what do you what do you think the chances are the game will be centered around the Empire fighting the Aldmeri Dominion? Uh, I think uh, Ellis here is talking about Elder Scrolls Six. I think being a part of a second great war would be fun. What do you guys think? You guys have the greatest take on the game, and I... Ha- wow, that's... Wow, that's... Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Ellis. <laughs> I don't know if uh, we deserve that, but but uh, thank you. Um, certainly these guys do, not me. Um, okay, so it goes on and says, uh, You guys always have the greatest take on the game, and I highly respect all the opinions you guys have. Uh, thank you again for putting on a great show and for the retweets. Keep up the good work, Ellis. Well, Ellis, uh, first of all, thank you. It was very highly complimentary. Um, I, I I agree with, with Mike on this. Um, the more I think about it, the more I think that it... I can't say if Bethesda is going to make Elder Scrolls Six Dominion. Um, if it's going to be in Valenwood, if it's going to have anything to do with the High Elves, um, if it's going to be about them taking over the, the Empire, um, or any of that. What I can say is, from what I've seen of the, uh, the, uh, the Aldmeri Dominion, um, they should. They absolutely should. Um. When we and Todd leave. Howard has said that, you know, the technology doesn't exist for what he wants to do. I think he wants to see a large-scale battle. You know, that he mm. was, they were disappointed with the aspects of the Civil War, the, the multiple battles you have to fight during that, uh, with just the, the performance and capabilities, that you're in this province and supposedly a war is raging around you, and you're talking 10 to 15 people. Now, you know, it, it's like, okay, you know, there could be... When you look through history, you know, wars at of you know medieval times were not fought by tens of thousands of people. They were fought by hundreds to thousands of people. Uh, but I think they want to see a big war, you know. Yeah. And the technology, you know, to put on two hundred CGI warriors, each controlled, doing their own thing, you know. I don't think your average uh, PC can handle it, and definitely not a PlayStation or an Xbox. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's yeah. very interesting to uh, to hear that, and I, I kind of think sort of the same thing. Um, also, if you think about Val- Valenwood, you know, is, isn't there in the lore that you know the trees are the trees are kind of like Ents that that some of them are moving around? Yeah, some of them can. So uh, Falinesti, uh moves, and it's a big part of the question as to where is Falinesti during ESO. Uh, if you follow the uh, AD storyline, and also the the idea that 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 whole area of Allenwood um, is just so dense, it's such a dense, dense forest that in order to do it the right way, um, it really would tax current yeah. Uh, systems. Yeah, I think you're going to follow a character who you know is decided to rebel against the Aldmeri Dominion and the Thalmor. And try and work as like a rebel to bring it down from the inside as the entire war rages around, destroying parts of Valenwood, pouring over into elsewhere. And, you know, to see that and, and feel it really 
and have the emotional impact. They need to have, you know, some type of engine that can handle large scale battles going around you yeah. while you're trying to do your quest. What if they yeah. um what if they they made a almost not a civil war between the um uh the the, uh, the Dominion and the Thalmor, but something close to it where the Thalmor really have become like the Third Reich, like um you know like the the Nazis of of Germany, and they really get a little too big for their britches, and they get a little too radical even for the uh, the Dominion. Yeah. And th- they uh, controlling the Dominion um, are out of control and are stand the best to to take over the Empire and and have the easiest time in history at the moment to take over the empire what if that's sort of the setting and you know the dominion goes against its own um radical branch the thalmor and it becomes a battle of you know do you unite the um the dominion with the empire against uh this uh the the radical thalmor yep it could be well, I, I I honestly think that the entire every game set in the fourth era is going to be about, in some way, shape, and form, the the conflict between the Empire and the Aldmeri Dominion. So before we move on to the fifth A era, that will basically the game that concludes that plot that plot line will be the one that uh, ends with us entering the fifth era. Right, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I see exactly where you're coming from. I mean, if we if we did something with uh, with Valenwood, well, if I recall correctly, it's implied that the um, that the Thalmor basically have dissident uh, wood elves dragged away for indoctrination mm. uh, or for re-indoctrination or, or as it were. And part of the quest where you actually go into the embassy involves a uh, you your gear being handed off to a wood elf who very much is rebelling against the Thalmor because of uh, the way that they treat things. Um, I can imagine if we go to elsewhere, if we do that, then the whole game would be about basically trying to show the, the Khajiit that the Dominion were somehow responsible for the disappearance of the moons uh, so many years ago, and that they shouldn't be allied with them. And the Dominion, meanwhile, we know has split elsewhere back up into its old, two older... Um, it, it could actually be that elsewhere is the uh, uh, is where we go, and that there is a war or something now going on between uh, the two states that it, that the dominion split it into after they joined yeah so yeah well, let's let's hope that uh you know it's something like that because you know here we are we're, we're thinking about all this and and we've kind of come to the point where like if it's if it's not this then what else could it be and we're expecting it and then what if they go in like a completely different direction like what if we're at high rock you know <laughs> uh, or, or have think, you know, the, the the stuff that we've talked about is so rich in potential storyline and story driven things that, you know, it, it's something that we really want to see. And so much of Skyrim's story dealt with, you know, the Nords rebelling against the, the white gold concordant, you know, to take it to some other place 
like you know let's say they bring it to the swamps of black marsh yeah. and it has nothing to do with that storyline right and it's like oh i'm just saying you know yeah. prepare yourself because that might be that might it might be something completely off the cuff and and you know if you if you uh if you think that they're going to continue what happened in skyrim which i i think and hope they will do um, but if they don't, uh, I, 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 I'm not, I, I'm not, uh, you know, um, reserving myself uh, to to this expectation of them doing that. Because if they don't, then I'm really going to be disappointed. I don't want to be disappointed. <laughs> Everybody's going to come knocking at my door. Yeah, being like, I can't believe you. You said that we were going to do this. <laughs> I know. By the time Elder Scrolls Six comes out, this show will be on the air for ten years. And, and I mean. It will be. It, it absolutely will be. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they've got two other games that they're going to be doing, uh, which we have not even heard what the first game is. And, and we haven't heard what any of them are, but they're doing one game, then they're doing another game, then they might be doing Elder Scrolls Six. That puts us up to at least 10 years on, on the air with this show. Yeah. But, um, you, know, you know, and uh, and honestly, uh, we might, if we end up taking a break here, we will likely end up talking about uh, the other two games that they are coming out with. Oh, it's I, Bethesda. I, it's, you know, it's Bethesda doing other projects with their Fallout and Elder Scrolls teams. I'm sure we can come up with something to talk about for a few years. Oh, that, I am not even concerned about that. Not yeah. even a little bit. I mean, we've been... We're we're good. We're all right. You know, there's Oh yeah, we're the, yeah. we're we're fantastic. There's we're so gold. many there's so many different, you know, games that we could that we are talking about and could be talking about. I mean, the the, the series has been out for 20 years. Uh we're uh, we're no no short of uh of talking points. The only thing we got to do is just find them. That's it. Yeah. Anyway, um that is going to be the end of our show, folks. Um I want to thank uh, both Mike and Mark for for an amazing episode that they've they've put together yet again. Um, I'd like to thank the uh, the the Twitch chat for for being here and uh, seemed like everyone enjoyed the show. Uh, and of course, to our YouTube watcher, uh, please like and subscribe the video and add a comment down there. That would be wonderful. Um, if you have not already subscribed, we'd ask that you do so. And uh, to you podcast listeners, thanks for uh, checking out Classic Elder Scrolls. Hoped that you enjoyed it. Uh, final thoughts, starting with Mike. So I'm glad we're done with the Dragon Breaks. We can get back to normal, uh, less deep topics. Mm. <laughs> uh, are we... Next Next classic episodes are uh, ESO one, right? Yes, it would be our ESO one. Sort of tie everything all together, right, with, with that. Uh, next week, we've got Elder Scrolls Off the Record coming up going to be a very very interesting show we're going to be talking a lot about um about homestead and uh some of our our gameplay stuff um again we we've got some ideas for new podcasts in the works uh so so stay tuned for that hopefully we have a uh, an update for you uh coming up next week we may or may not but uh we'll keep you up to date uh final thoughts mark um no, it was good to uh, to finish up talking about the dragon breaks. Um, again, I I love the lore of this of this entire game series and and how it changes and and flows. And I think that it's healthy to watch it it change as needed to 
expand it and, and get in the stories that they want to. I mean, because they they rarely, if ever, touch something so drastically it doesn't work anymore. And the one time they did was when they went from the Daggerfall setting to Redguard. And I think everyone agrees that the setting that we now know and love, the one that came out of Redguard, is was worth those changes. So yeah, no, this this was fun to look at. Absolutely. All right, guys. Uh, well, thanks again for all of your uh, listening and, and downloading, and um, we'll be uh, we'll be seeing you very very soon uh, next week for. Uh, Elder Scrolls Off the Record. Don't forget this Friday, uh, we've got a couple of things going on. Number one is going to be um, Shalene Plays with uh, her her live stream on Twitch here, twitch.tv slash Network. That starts at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern. And then I believe at 10.30 p.m. Eastern this week is going to be uh, uh, The Daggers streaming in ESO. That's always a fun time. Uh, good Good time there. Uh, QG D&D, we've got a new episode this week. Right, Mark? Yeah. Okay. Oh, check, yeah. Check that out. I'm sure we're going to have another uh, new episode next week as well. And uh, that's about it from us. Again, you can get this show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, QuestGamingNetwork.com. Of course, we're on YouTube as well, YouTube.com slash QuestGamingNetwork. Uh, you can follow us on social media like Twitter. You can follow Mike at KDR Mickey. That's K-D-R-M-I-C-K-E-Y. You can follow Mark at Carnegie Wolf at C-A-R-N-E-G-A-N-W-O-L-F-E. I'm at Yvarwin, E-V-A-R-W-Y-N. And you can follow the show at Elder Scrolls O-T-R. Elder Scrolls O-T-R. Uh, thanks again for tuning in, folks. Take care, everyone. Be safe. And as always, hey, may that foose woo, be with you. Oh, yeah. Lots of foose. Got it all up in the face. Foose face. Yeah. Hold on!